thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. episode of Bible News Radio. That's Aviad Cohen. That's part of his song, Israel. It's a long song, so if you want to listen to it, you can go over to YouTube and find it. It's not hard to find. All you got to do is put in Aviad Cohen and Israel. <laughs> anyway, so what we're going to do tonight, today, tonight, today, or in the morning, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to talk about the headlines of the day, including uh, this tragedy that took place recently in Poway, California. By the way, California is actually in the news right now because uh, some authorities have thwarted uh, alleged terrorist attack plan that actually uh, took place earlier today. I'm sure a lot of people are talking about it on the regular news. Randall Pandlebear facing me, we decided that we are not going to focus on all the death and destruction. We're going to focus on hope. But one thing that we want to do is is we actually want to talk about how uh, we want to offer hope to people. You know what I mean? We want to offer the gospel <laughs> to people because so many people are like down and they're discouraged and all they do is turn the TV on and, and they get super depressed when they turn it on. In fact, I am, um, you know, a lot of these uh, business type guru people, they, one of the things that they say is never, uh, turn on, um, never turn on the TV or check your email or do any of that within the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day. Because if you do, then you're letting these people start your day out, right? Instead, you should take time to, you know, be in the word of God Spend time with yourself, journaling, praying, you know, these type of things that so that you can get your goals centered and you can get your focus where it needs to be, not on where other people want it to be. And I'm going to tell you something that's hard. It's hard to do. You know why? Because life is life. And if you're a mom or a dad, you got to get up early, go to work. You know, if you have children, you have to get up to, to get them off to school. I Unless you get up earlier than all of them. You're not going to have that, just saying. Um, and so, I mean, for me, you're like, well, you don't have kids. You could probably do it in your house, can't you, Stacey Lynn? Well, <laughs> uh, no. Because <laughs> I don't have children, but I have animals. And animals are irritating. They really can be. I mean, I, I decided I was going to get up, like, I, I started this thing where I was going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, go downstairs, have my quiet time you know, do all the stuff that I need to do. And sure enough, within like an hour or like a half hour of me getting up, my dogs are coming down, bugging me, wanting their food. And I'm like, really? The cat starts meowing. Meow, meow, meow. <sighs> and I'm like, okay, animals, you know, and especially my cat. Sometimes I just really, I really, you know, wish somebody had his tongue because he likes to scream in the morning until he gets fed and it's like cat you are not the boss of me this morning was one of those mornings where i was like look <laughs> cat and i actually fed the dogs first usually i feed the cat first you know why because the cat makes so much more noise <laughs> true story uh, but anyway anyway all that to say that 
if you're starting your your day off with all this negative info coming in, it's really hard to have a happy day if all you're focused on is all the garbage going on in the world, right? You know, and so I actually had somebody ask me one time, hey, what's your secret to being chipper and upbeat? And I said, I don't watch TV or the news. I mean, I do read headlines and I do occasionally watch video and stuff, but you know, what good is this stuff? I can't do anything about it. I can't change it. You know, I can commentate about it and I can, you know, I, I can do that, but it's not, it doesn't control me. And yet the media controls so many people in, 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 and I think it's sad because, um, because a lot of people are suckered into it, you know? So with all that to say, happy Monday. <laughs> Randall Pandlebearface actually is coming on the screen. He actually did weekends in the word, and we actually have a couple of announcements we're going to share with you right now. After Bearface right says hi, yeah. hi, okay, I'm ready for those announcements. Hi, honey, how are you? Doing well, how are you? Okay, so after um, after uh, Saturday, Randall and I got to meet with Rosemary Dewar. You guys might remember we had her on the show. She's a millennial, and she's part well. I don't know if she's part Jewish, but she, she's Jewish. Anyway, we had her on a couple of weeks ago, uh, just sharing her thoughts. She's a columnist. And so we decided to have lunch with her on Saturday. We went to a restaurant together, had a delightful time with her. She's so sweet and young enough to be our daughter, of course, because, you know, Randall's old and I'm middle-aged, but Randall's getting up there, you know, those four years can make a difference. <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, we, we made an agreement with Rosemary that, you know, she's going to start doing on a weekly basis what we're going to be calling a millennial moment, uh, and, you know, in hopes to kind of, you know, get her take on, on the news from a biblical perspective, but also she's very conservative. And so we, we want to, uh, you know, have her be a part of that. This will be a recorded segment. And as far as I know, let's think, unless it changes. Uh, we're going to be airing that on Friday. So that's one announcement. Are you going to make yourself comfortable? Okay, there you go. All right. Grover is going around in circles and making noise. and He landed on his toys. And that's what he's laying on right now. Super cute, I might add. Anyway, um, okay, so the second thing that we're going to do that is going to be a change is that, you know, many years ago when Randall and I uh, started doing Bible News Radio, uh, we, we had a weekly Bible study together that we did on air. You know, on the weekends, Randall's doing weekends in the Word, but, but I really think it's time for us to get back to doing a weekly Bible study together. So what we're going to do is uh starting when are we gonna start on monday um i don't know that's that um to be determined day yeah, that's the day we did it in the past was on mondays but yeah well if we do know. it on monday it makes it difficult because it, then it's hard to catch up with the weekend right so maybe midweek perhaps yeah we could do it wednesday how's that yeah. so i just and it's actually the best day because wednesday's then in the word yeah there we go so okay so starting on wednesday this week <laughs> we are going to start doing a bible study here on our show and so what that means is that you're going to get your bible out we're going to actually read the bible together we're going to we're going to study it how's that bible news radio there you go nailed it so we were thinking of what book to do what book did we decide i don't believe that uh, we did decide on a book all right so we have two options then because we were discussing it earlier randall and me Okay, so one option is the book of 1 Peter, and then the other option is the book of Revelation. I know, right? So we got two different books that you can choose from. So go ahead and vote. What, what book would you prefer to study with us? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, see here. The first could probably be done in a matter of weeks, and the yeah. second can be wrapped up in a matter of years. All right, yeah, well, we got... Well, I think starting with First Peter, yeah, we got two votes for First Peter so far. That's that was kind of my gut as well. Was just to do First Peter first. Hey, Jeff over on YouTube, and Melanie, and Sean and Danielle and Diane. 
and Stevo. I don't know if that's how you say that. All right. Okay. So good. First Peter it is. Nailed it. All right. So beginning on Wednesday this week, we're going to start studying the book of First Peter together. And the way that we do it, hey, is we do it line upon line, precept upon precept. So we do it, you know, we're going to look at the history of it, who wrote it, when they wrote it, what the culture of the day was, all that fun stuff. So it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be great, people. It's not going to be this, you know, maybe it will be. I don't know. It won't be fluffy. It won't be like fill in the blank. You know, who wrote the book of First Peter? Fill in the blank. Does anybody have any idea who wrote the book of First Peter? Crickets? <laughs> right. There is a delay, you know, so. Yes, I do. That's why I'm waiting. It's like a 20-second delay. <laughs> Melanie answered uh, Peter. Uh, Are you sure? Are you sure it was Peter that did it? You're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you would be right, Melanie. It is Peter. Peter did write First Peter. <laughs> no, John did not write First. <laughs> John. No, the authors are not unknown. Most of the books, it tells us who wrote it. It's usually in the first two or three verses of the book. Okay, so we're going to do that. That's going to be one. This is why we're going to do that, people. Okay. Um, what else is I going to tell you? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Put up the graphic of me. Where do I find it? Oh, did, did I not send it to you? You oh, did not. I didn't. And I've okay. been looking all over. Oh. Been looking all looking all over the web to find it. Okay, hold on a minute. Can't find out any Facebook account related to you. I'm going to to Bearface. Hold on a second. Randall Pandle Bearface. Okay. All right, there you go. Um, <laughs> All right, so you guys, um, I, I want to show you a, a graphic. A, it's a caricature of me. And then we're going to talk about the news. But this is Monday, so I wanted to start off with something light first, okay? So you guys know I'm a lady of justice, right? Yeah, I am. Ladies of justice are superheroes of justice. <laughs> so uh, I just, I, we're going to leave this on the screen just for a minute. But, okay, Randall's going to put it on the screen. And I just have, I, I just have to ask you guys, once you see this, put a one if you think this looks like me, including the color of the hair, or put a two <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> this is so funny. I mean, okay, we got one, two, so you say it doesn't look like me. Uh, Sean says, no, it doesn't look like me. Um... I look way better. Aw, this is so sweet. You put a one. Okay, Melanie says a one. You think my hair is that gray? I mean, seriously, you can see my hair. Put a two. <laughs> well, here's the deal. The deal is, if you look at my hair, the current hair, like this hair that I have here on my head, I actually submitted my current hair, you know, my hair, that my my picture. That's my profile picture on Facebook, I submitted it to the guy, and this is what he came back with. My First of all, my hair is not gray. <laughs> Does it look gray to you? I have a lot of white in my hair, but zero gray. I don't have gray hair. I have white hair. Secondly, I do not have dark black eyes either, or eyebrows. <laughs> you don't have eyebrows? I, have, I don't have dark black eyebrows. Now, I think the face looks similar because that's me. I think I think that's pretty much uh, me, except for the color of the hair and eyes. <laughs> anyway, so I asked the guy to correct it so we could do it. But anyway, I thought that was cute. And, and, and um, it is a lady of justice. Yeah. Anyway, so if you guys don't know what ladies of justice is, it's actually the girl part of Legal Shield, feminizing legal care everywhere. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just kidding. 
I'm kidding. Well, I'm not really kidding. But anyway, so I just thought I'd show that to you, though, because, yes, when you are a superhero defender of justice, you know, <laughs> you can be. By the way, if you're watching, listening to the audio, you have to go watch the video in order to see what the picture was. But anyway, uh, speaking of Legal Shield, May 1st, I got to give this to you again. May 1st is coming up, and Legal Shield is offering an opportunity for you to use our legal services on Law Day, which is May 1st between 8, I think 8 o'clock or 8.30 and 4 o'clock or something like that. Uh, on May 1st, all you got to do is call the phone number 877-511-7886. You can hold, I'll hold that up right there. You can take a screenshot of that if you want to do that and you're not a Legal Shield member yet. You can do that. You can call them and talk on Law Day. 877-511-7886. You can call them. And if you want more information on how to become a member of Legal Shield, you can you can become a member. It's very easy. $24.95 a month to get your, your coverage. <clears throat> and I can tell you more about that later. So I encourage you to do so. All right. Also, if you are in the need for identity theft protection, don't forget, we also have ID Shield, uh, one of the top identity theft protection services in the world. It really is in the world, too. I'm not making that up. Um, and for $9.95 a month, you can cover yourself as an individual or your family for $24.95 a month, up to eight children under 18. Yeah. So if you have a big family, like uh, like a lot of LDS families have, this would be perfect for you, for sure. Get the family version. All right, you can go here, bit.ly forward slash L-O-J 2019. And the L-O-J has to be capitalized or just get in touch with me personally. You can contact me personally. Okay. All right, so let's talk about what Jesus would do or say to the synagogue shooter in Poway. Okay? So let's look at the story first, what happened, in case you don't know. A couple days ago, a young man by the name of John Ernest. Did I send you this? It wasn't a couple days ago. I thought it was this, like it was today. No, it wasn't today. It was a couple days ago. Okay. It was over the weekend. Mm. Do you have it? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know where you're going. Okay. So This, pa- this one? Yep. Daily Beast? Yep. Okay. That's it. Okay, so I'm going to read you the article that's right there. I nailed it. Okay, so Poway Synagogue shooting suspects' parents call him evil. Just like I call Tuggy Bear evil, these guys call this their, their son evil. So it says here, uh, the parents of John Ernest, who allegedly opened fire on a synagogue Saturday, called their son evil on Monday. We are shocked and deeply saddened by the terrible attack on the... How do you say that? Chavaz. Say that again? Chavaz. Okay. Of Poway Synagogue. The family said in a statement released through an attorney. But our, yeah. but our sadness pales in comparison to the grief and anguish our son has caused for so many innocent people. He has killed and injured the faithful who were gathered in a sacred place on a sacred day. To our great shame, he is now part of the history of evil that has been perpetrated on Jewish people for centuries. And I'm going to keep reading the actual statement. Our son's actions were informed by people we do not know and ideas we do not hold. Like our other five children, he was raised in a family of faith and a community that all rejected hate and taught that love must be the motive for everything we do. How our son was attracted to such darkness is a terrifying mystery to us, though we are confident that law enforcement will uncover many details of the path that he took to this evil and despicable act. To that end, our family is cooperating with investigators. We we ask only that the media and the public respect our privacy and allow the criminal justice system to work. Our heavy hearts will forever go out to the victims and survivors. Our thanks go to the first responders who prevented even greater loss of life and the well-wishers who have supported us. And we pray for peace. And then um, then it says that they're not going to be giving any more public statements uh, and all that. So then it says, on Saturday morning, Ernest uh, entered... 
I don't know how to say that word. How do you say that? Chabad? Chabad, yeah. A Poway. With an assault-style rifle and allegedly opened fire, killing one woman and wounding three others, including a rabbi. 20 minutes before the attack, Ernest published a virulently anti-Semitic manifesto repeating centuries-old libels against Jews as justification for murdering them. The message said he idolized Brenton Tarrant, the alleged Christchurch mosque attacker, and Robert Bowers, uh, who allegedly murdered 11 Jews at the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. Ernest also approvingly cited Adolf Hitler. 20 minutes after posting the message, he entered this place, I'm just going to call it the synagogue, with an assault-style rifle and allegedly opened fire, killing one woman and wounding three others, including a rabbi. And by the way, the woman that was that was killed, actually, there's other news articles, and I'm not going to read them all. You can look them up. But basically, the woman that, that got killed, was she actually, it, it was said that she was she jumped in front of the rabbi and basically saved his life. And her husband, who happened to be a doctor, started doing, apparently, CPR on her and didn't realize it was her at first. And he fainted when he realized that that's what he was doing. So it was just a, a really sad thing. Um, and she died anyway. Um, but the rabbi was saved and there's actually other articles talking about what the rabbi has to say, but, um, so, and it says here 20 minutes after, um, and then it says Ernest was chased out of the synagogue by an army veteran and fled in a vehicle. Soon after he called 9-11 and told authorities where to find him on a highway, according to authorities. He will be arraigned Wednesday morning in San Diego County Court, one count of first degree murder and three counts of attempted first degree murder. Ernest, 19 people, he's 19 years old, grew up in a middle-class neighborhood not far from Poway. He was an honor student and accomplished pianist at Mount Carmel uh, High School, where his father, also named John, works as the teacher. Ernest's father also served as board president of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Escondido, where the family attended church weekly. Garrett Greenwald, or Groenwald, I don't know, Randall. <laughs> oh, it's a grown wall. Okay. A member of the church told the Daily Beast on Sunday that Ernest was the quietest of his family. So quiet that Groenwald grew concerned. I noticed that he was quiet and just wanted to have contact. He said, it's not good if someone is that quiet. He needs to be part of the community to let them know what's going on. Ernest was not known to law enforcement prior to the attack, authorities said, and has no known ties to white supremacist groups. So... And apparently, according to another article, if you scroll down on the Daily Beast, it actually goes on to talk about in another article how this kid uh, was in nursing school. (laughs) So how do you get from going to nursing school to help people to killing them, right? Well, apparently there are a lot of parallels between other shooters uh, and this guy, and, and it's extremely disturbing, actually, right? What he did was wrong, horrific, you know, it changed numerous lives forever, and that's, it's tragic, for sure. Now, there's another article that is talking about the um, a girl, a young girl, this is on CNN. Did I give you this one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, by the way, Lori Kay is the lady that died. Um, and it's, it's a news alert right now that Lori Kay is being laid to rest right now in California. Um, but meanwhile, there's this story. Um, I don't know which way to go. Well, that way, right there, nailed it. I just got to do... anyway. Anyway, girl, girl shot in synagogue attack says she was he was aiming at the kids. Now, this is interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's basically this little girl who's eight years old. You know, she said that this guy came in. He was definitely aiming at the kid at the kids. She's gotten hit three times, according to this article. Um, in the last, um, in, an, in, a, in a couple of things, she says here, I don't even have any words for it. It was terrifying, scary. No, Noya told CNN, we go to pray and then we're supposed to, uh, like, supposed to be feel safe. But at the service to celebrate the end of Passover, no one was safe. Police say a 19-year-old suspect entered the synagogue in the town north of San Diego and opened fire. Um, 
A woman there to honor her late mother was killed. The rabbi held up his hands as he faced the gunman. At least one of his fingers was blown off as bullets smashed into both hands, and there was no Noya. He was aiming right at us. He was aiming at the kids. Noya's uncle, Almag Peretz, was hit in the leg. Shrapnel from that is believed to have hit Noya passing through her right leg, and shrapnel also hit her face. Uh... Noya moved to the United States from Israel after rocket attacks on their family home in Durat. Her father, Israel Dahan, said he moved his family to Mira Mesa, also north of San Diego, to be safe. But anti-Semitism showed up in their neighborhood. Anyway, long story short, this young lady, that explains a lot. I didn't see that part before. But if she was moved here from Israel, makes complete sense. Almost everybody in Israel... Probably everybody in Israel. I can probably say that 99.9% of the people in Israel who live there, the Jews, either know someone or they themselves have been directly impacted by anti-Semitism and terrorist attacks. In fact, we actually, me and Randall heard that uh, from them. Actually, when we were there, we talked about that. It was one of the most interesting things that uh, that I took away from when we went to Israel was just how... That is a land of persecution, uh, you know, bec- just because of who they are. God's chosen people. Right, Bareface? Um, yeah, um, though I more often hear about people from the States immigrating to Israel. Yeah. and Which is a very safe place. Um, there, yeah. It's true that many, many or most have been touched by terrorism in some way. Uh, but it is a, a pretty safe place. Anyway, so there are certain neighborhoods that are more uh, risky than others, just like here in the States. And the fact that they would move here for safety's sake and then experience this is is sad. Yeah. All right, so now let's open this up to the discussion. How would Jesus respond to the Poway shooter in particular, since that was kind of the story we led with. Um, well, here's my answer. And then Bareface, you can commentate. And I wish there was a way that we could get people to call in on here. I mean, there is, if I just did the show on the phone, but that, you know, on Periscope, but there's, I don't know if there's any, is there a way that we could get them to call in? Probably not, huh? Not this way though, huh? Yeah, not not easily. Not easily. We'll figure it out, though. We could, uh, I don't know, maybe get a phone line or use one of ours and and wire it up to we the could. board. We could actually get a business phone with T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that we could do. Any, but anyway, okay. So here's here's my answer. Jesus already responded to that. How, how does how does Jesus respond to this? He already did. He responded to the Poway shooter the way that he responded to all the evil in the world. And that is by bounting up on the cross and dying for his sin and giving him the opportunity to receive forgiveness as a result of that. And I know some of you are like, yeah, that's such an easy answer. What do you mean? I thought you were going to give me more of an answer than that. Well, Sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to disappoint but when you think about it that's really the answer right the death of christ is the answer to the evil of the world because he willingly went to the cross to die for the sin of the world and that would be your sin and my sin and believe me my sin's pretty great people you know um and 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 you know the thing is 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 we don't understand it. I think that's the issue, really. I don't think most people understand and grasp the depth, the width, the breadth of God's love for us. Right? I mean, I talked to a guy earlier today. Um, I don't know if he's in here, Mark. I don't know if he's he came in or not. But you can go to the previous scope over on Periscope and you can go and listen to it. You can pull up the scope and you can tune in and 
scroll through if you don't want to listen to me talk for a half hour about Psalm 119, but just scroll until you see the guy pop up. And you can listen to what Mark had to say to me and some of the questions that he he asked, you know, or was making assertions about. Um, but ultimately, when it comes right down to God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we quote those words, but do you really think about what they're talking about? I mean, do you really, really think about it? Do you really think about the greatest sacrifice in all of mankind ever? I mean, yes, we talked about it on Good Friday, but if you if you can't think about it, then take somebody, like for me, as an example, Randall loves me probably more than anybody in the world. I'm pretty confident that that's the truth at this point. I hope. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's true, right? And, and I'm pretty sure that if there was a situation that Randall had to choose between me being tortured or something and him being tortured, I'm pretty sure that he would do it. He would do it in my place, right? In order to give me life, so to speak, right? Pretty sure that that's the case. At least I hope so. <laughs> I could be declaring this and Randall's like, what? Did you say something? Uh, but I'm pretty sure that if he willingly, Randall, willingly, you know, went in my spot, you know, I would feel this um, an, an amount of grief that would be unparalleled to anything I think I've ever experienced. But aside from that, I would also do everything that I could to honor that and to remember it and to make sure that everybody knew the story. Well, what happened on that day? Well, my husband, you're not going to believe what he did for me. You know, he did this amazing act of love that, that, you know, I can't, we can't even comprehend. And years ago, I heard this story and maybe you guys have heard it too. Um, uh, it was about a, um, I don't want to mess it up, but, but I, I know the point of it. The point, it was about this guy who's, who was driving a train. And he was the engineer of the train. Have you guys heard this story? He was the engineer of the trains. Train, vroom, you know, trains are going super fast, you know, Amtrak or whatever, how they go, they go like this. Well, he was, he was being notified by headquarters that there was a, a broken track and that unless something happened to stop the train super fast, that the the train was going to go over and like kill tons of people. It was just going to kill everybody. And so what the guy did was he figured out a way where he could hand the reins off over to somebody else and he figured out to a way to get off and basically lay himself in front of the thing so that it would slow and stop the train because he knew with all the people on board that train, that if it went over the cliff, they're all going to die. So that's exactly what he did. He willingly laid himself in front of the train so that the people on the train could live. And that's really what Jesus did for us. He willingly went and died in our spot so that we could live. And why did he do it? Did he do it just because you're you and... Did he do it for the non-rapists of the world only? Or did he do it for the most brutal anti-Semitic haters in the world? See, we don't understand that. We can't. I mean, I, I can't understand that type of depth of love. But that's what Jesus did. That's what he did. You know, people always say all pedophiles should go to hell. Well, maybe. But what if they repent? They truly repent right? Then they'll be in heaven. I know one in heaven. You know, see, we, we measure, you know, the crime and the sin against our feelings, not against the reality of who Jesus says he is and what he did. You know, Jesus is Superman, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, like I told the, I marked this morning, you know, Jesus came, he was born of the father, you know, and John, and he said in the book of John, Jesus said in the book of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So he supernaturally came down. The father overshadowed Mary, the virgin, and gave birth, conceived of Yeshua, our Savior. And then when he was actually birthed under miraculous circumstances, mind you, don't forget, this was an angelic announcement, birth announcement, by the way. And Mary had to flee just like Joseph did. Yeah, there was so much scandal with Joseph and Mary, if you think about it. If you really think about it in that day and age. Man, they went and Jesus was born. And then, essentially, he, he was targeted the first couple of years of his life because of Herod. Herod wanted him dead, so much so that he ordered all the babies two and under to be killed in that area and other areas. In the hopes of killing the Messiah, which he didn't do. Jesus is a Jew that was persecuted from before he was even born. And yet he, of course, survived. And despite what man tries to do, he went ahead and he grew up incarnate, man in flesh. Walked around among us. He freaked people out. Made people mad at him. Especially the religious people. And his family didn't care for him either. You know? So... He answered that. And then if you look in the Gospels, we see how Jesus deals with sinners, right? I mean, a lot of people uh, will turn to the story of the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, you know, and see how Christ interacted with them. He who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, who is without sin except him alone? And he never did that. But ultimately what he did was he went to the cross so that we don't have to. And there, see, there's a misunderstanding, I think, in our culture, and I think it's because it's not taught much. Hell exists. Well, why did Jesus have to die? Well, because hell exists. Hell is a real place. Hell is discussed in Scripture uh, a lot. <laughs> you know, that's that's why Jesus died, was so that we don't have to, to go there where there's, you know, fire and brimstone, weeping and gnashing of teeth where the, you know, the fire is never quenched, the worm never dies, you know, where there's screaming, yelling, torment, uh, eternal darkness, separation, and full consciousness, by the way. So you're there forever. It's like, you know, and, and if we really cared about the souls of people, we would be warning them about that. But the devil is so good that he convinces so many that hell doesn't even exist or there's no reality. He negates that by negating the cross and what Jesus did. It's interesting to me that the LDS church, which I believe is an unbiblical church, um, they focus on the atonement, right? They use, they use the lingo of the atonement and stuff, but they don't even really understand the magnitude of what Jesus did because they seriously believe that Lucifer is Jesus' brother, which is ridiculous. Just saying. That's just ridiculous. So, but so we have to understand the issue at hand. Why did Jesus have to die? Because hell exists. That's why. If hell didn't exist, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Well, well then, well then, how come he didn't do it some other way? I hear people say, "Why did he? Why didn't he do it some other way?" Well, what would that have done if he had? I mean, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. And why would you want it another way? I mean, he figured out the perfect way that we didn't have to do anything to get rewarded with eternal life. Seriously, all we had to do is believe and receive. That's it. And then trust and obey, ultimately. Right, Bareface? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Yeah, believe and receive for the gift of eternal life. And And it's not something that he gives um, on a platter or anything. Eternal life is in Messiah. If you receive him, you receive eternal life. Uh, there's Eternal life is not possible apart from him. Right. As, as Peter and John told the religious leaders of the day, there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. There isn't any other possible way. And when it comes to situations like this, like the, the shooting in the synagogue, synagogues, you know, we've seen, um, 
a few over the past 12 months and uh, various you know other tragic things going on sometimes we want to see we think these sorts of crimes these sorts of sins demand and deserve immediate judgment right uh, we want we we want you know fire or lightning to come down and consume these people but i would like to share uh, a few passages from uh, the epistle to the romans okay um stand by stand by for bareface sean said you were snoozing i don't think that was the case i think no. you're looking up stuff yeah yeah he would i'm gonna start here at the end of chapter one so we get the sorts of things because you know paul didn't write in chapters and verses uh just to get the the flow of what he's talking about in chapter two but he talks about those that didn't, did not like to retain God in their knowledge and being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Uh, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them. And of course, you would you would think that, yes, people like that are deserving of death. They're worthy of death. And But if you're, you're honest, you've probably found yourself in one of those categories at one time or another. You've never debated with anybody. You've never been deceitful. I mean, you've never... Uh, been a gossiper, like a whisperer or backbiter. You've never been proud or boast or invented evil things like tricks to pay, play on people or, you know, ways to prank people. I mean, if you're honest, you know, you can find yourself in one of those categories and at one time. That's why in chapter 2 we read, Therefore thou art unexcusable, O man, whoever thou art, that judges... For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judge, do the same things. And want to, um, uh, well, yeah, pick it up in verse 3. And do you think this, O man, that judges them which do such things and do the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Uh, but after the hardness and, and impenitent heart, you treasure up for yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And, and the whole thing there is that it's not... It's, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When we realize what sinners we are, that we also are, are worthy of death, and seeing his delayed judgment, that there is a day of wrath coming up, you know, a day of wrath, um, you know, in the unrepentant person stores up, treasures up for themselves wrath, uh, against the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous judgment of God. That that day is coming. And so while we would look at the shooters, you know, look at a shooter of Poway or whoever, say, oh, you know, we demand immediate judgment and, and worthy of death. Um, if we're honest, you know, in that list of sins, we'll find ourselves... And it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And hopefully this young man, just a teenager, 19. Right. Hopefully um, in this, this age of grace, he will find himself, his way to repentance and be a recipient of the mercy and grace of God. And, yeah, what would Jesus do? Like I said, he's already done it. God demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, worthy of death. Yeah, somebody put Christ that. Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Yes. Yep. yep. 
Exactly. All right. So we also have another story, but first, before we get to that, we should thank our Messianic Jewish Ministry, Ariel Ministries, for sponsoring our show. They've asked us to share with you about Camp Shoshana. School of Messianic Jewish Studies, if you guys are available, between July 7th and August 30th, really September 2nd, uh, you guys can go up to Camp Shoshana and you can you can partake in that. I would love, it would be so cool if all of us could go up there together and meet and hang out and get all discipled. It'd be super cool. Uh, if you can, go for it. It's in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. Um, and uh, you can learn more by going to campshoshana.com. Also, if you want to learn more about Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's latest book, The Feasts and Fasts of Israel, uh, you can learn more by going to our website right there. It's on the website, biblenewsradio.com. Go there, scroll down there. Randall's highlighting it right there. You can learn about the book and get it for your own devotional and Bible study time. I think it'd be an awesome book to get. I'm waiting for mine to show up. I know it's here. It's coming soon. I think it might be at, U- at UPS, but I'm not sure. But don't forget, you can always save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. Yeah, you can over there at ariel.org. Let them know that you appreciate them sponsoring our show. Also, the other thing is uh, Spark Naturals essential oil. I don't, I don't know if Randall has a graphic for this, but if you use essential oil, again, you can save 10% when you use my coupon code John316. Go to sparknaturals.com as well. That is another place that you can, you can, uh, there you go, right there. Yeah, LLP, that's my favorite. That's lemon, lavender, and peppermint. It helps with, uh, with allergies. It's a natural antihistamine, and it smells nice, just so you know. It's actually super cool. But don't forget, use John 316 and save 10%. I made it easy for you. <laughs> and that coupon code works all the time, and also uh, it works on sales as well. Okay? All right. Yeah, it helps you sleep. Well, I I don't use peppermint to help me sleep, but... But it does work, Hannah. You're right. <laughs> All right. So then the other thing, we have another article. This was this one concerns uh, a Mormon man uh, who came out as homosexual at his valedictorian speech. And we're not going to play the speech, but I want, want you to see this story. This broke earlier today, I believe it was, um, on the Washington Post. It's titled, I am proud to be a gay son of God. Mormon valedictorian comes out in graduation speech. (sighs) April 29th, yeah, so that's today. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints considers same-sex marriage to be a serious transgression and until this spring treated Mormons involved in these unions as apostates, subject to church disciplinary hearings that could result in their excommunication. So commencement ceremony on Friday at Brigham Young University the flagship academic institution of the Mormon church was an unlikely occasion for this pronouncement. I stand before my family, friends and graduating class today to say that I am proud to be a gay son of God. Um, The affirmation came from Matthew Easton, who's 24, who is being celebrated as the valedictorian in the political science department and the graduating senior chosen to deliver remarks at the ceremony for the college of family, home and social sciences. Held up as a model for his classmates, he spoke plainly about the part of him that his church finds less commendable before an audience of about 10,000, which included family members to whom he had not disclosed his sexuality. Easton asserted his value in his role in divine intent. I am not broken, he declared. I am loved and important to the plan of our great creator each of us are. Among the audience members to whom the announcement came as a surprise was one of Easton's sisters who was recording a video of his speech. The camera slipped as she let out a whoop part of a chorus of cheers that echoed through the Marriott Center. In the middle of the immense sports arena stood Easton at a lectern bearing his university's initials. He smiled and paused, waiting for the applause to die down. Four years ago, it would have been impossible for me to imagine that I would come out to my entire college, he continued. It is a phenomenal feeling, and it is a victory for me in and of itself, a private conquest. The speech also marked a notable chapter in a searching public debate about faith, sexuality, and generational change. 
Anyway, I'm not going to read the rest of the article because it's quite lengthy. But what I will say, the reason I wanted to bring this to your attention is for a few reasons. Number one, um, it's sad to me that this man is so deceived. I mean, very, very deceived. He's a kid. I mean, 24, that's just a baby. I mean, no offense if you're younger than that. I know I have a couple of viewers that are a little bit younger than that or close to that. That's a baby, okay? You're 24 years old. You're just a kid. I was 23 and a half when I got married, so I know how young that is. <laughs> but there are no gay sons of God, just so you know. That's just not biblical. And he is a Mormon, which is also not biblical. Um, and I think it's tragic, and it says a lot about not only him as a person trying to seek validation for himself as a homosexual in that venue where he made it all about himself, completely narcissistic, if you think about it. Um, but the fact that people applauded it also tells you something, doesn't it? I don't know, Bareface, what, what do you think about this? Because it's... All of the above, just looking at the transcript, it is all about I... Gosh, my hair. My hair is having a day, people. I've got to stop my I hair. I mean, this is my generation, even more so the generation after me. We're changing the way we talk about our identity and who we are. You know, uh, I thought I had to be what everyone before me was. I do feel from my own experience that this is changing, or maybe I'm changing. I hope that our country, my faith, my community will. Anyway, um... It is very egocentric, and and I think of, you know, valedictorian speeches of yesteryear, even, even without, you know, when, well, heterosexu heterosexuality is still the norm, um, but even then... How dare you say that, bareface? You know, I don't recall speeches being about who I am and... And me, 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 and I this, and I that, and and we live, you know, in our our culture now. Whether you know whatever gender you decide to be, or sexuality you decide to have, or who you are, you know, that has nothing to do with external reality. Um, you know, that's that's paramount. You know, started with the self-esteem movement that you know. Self-esteem is far more important than grades or... Look where that's gotten the culture, though. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's a it's... culture of egotistical, immature... <sighs> yeah. You know, somehow society is better when we exalt the self, when we exalt self-importance. Well, society is all about living with other people. You know, it, that's what makes civilization. That's what makes societies the interaction with other people. And I don't think we need to be, you know, um, subservient robots, but with an emphasis upon your self-actualization, your, you know, who you are, despite all indicators of external reality, um, as long as you're happy... And you get to be who you are, you know, that's, to me, that's the antithesis of society. It used to be that schools and parents prepared children to be productive members of society. You know, we come into this world being egocentric, rightfully so, we can't do anything for ourselves, but... You know, growing up, even in a dysfunctional family, the idea was you take on chores and you start to contribute to the family, and then you start to contribute to the community. And because when you're able to do so, you come into this world egocentric because you need people to feed you, change you, all that, bathe you, all that kind of stuff. But as you mature, you know, it's about doing for others. But we've come to a point where. Fortunately, it's not the majority. There are, you know, a growing number of cases 
you know, we talked to someone yesterday about their 15-year-old daughter or a 15-year-old girl having a mastectomy because she identifies as, as male. Yeah, it was actually somebody in the LDS church, too. Yeah. and It was the person we were talking to. I, I don't know if that child was in the LDS church, but interesting... Yeah, go ahead. That Still, was... we have parents that refusing to put a gender on a birth certificate. Well, we let them decide, you know. And so instead That's one of... of the most asinine things I've ever heard, yeah, in so, my life, so seriously. In... So instead of raising children to be, you know, contributors to society, you know, moving away from egocentrism and to being a contributing member of society, there the egocentricism you know is is even more emphasized and it's all about you darling it's all about you want and what you imagine yourself to be and everybody else has to conform to your self-image your and if everybody's doing that that's anarchy <laughs> <laughs> if everybody has to change their ways to mold to my self-image, and everybody is saying that, then that just becomes disorder and anarchy. It has nothing to do with the socialism and communism that the same folks usually champion. At the same time, they're championing we're all the same as they're championing we're all different and uh, need to be so individualistic that everybody else needs to conform to... Anyway... I'm all right. I'll quit while I'm behind. Grumpy old man. Okay, so today is April. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Today is April 29th. <laughs> I have to tell you honestly, it's so funny. Randall's getting like he's like middle aged, almost 55. You know, it's weird seeing him crack as he gets older. <laughs> my superhero husband. Yeah, he is. <laughs> all right, Randall, I got a question for you. April 29th, 1607. What happened on that day? 1607. Yeah, Mr. Smarty Pants. April 29th, and, 1607. And what, what, what part of the world? What happened on that day? What part of the world? In our part of the world. Our part of the world? Yeah. Anybody know? Hmm? Does anybody know? Before the Mayflower arrived, <sighs> so if... You know, if it, if it had to do with European settlers, then it probably had to do something with the Virginia colony. There you go. So, a nation was born on April 29th, 1607, when travel-weary Englishmen landed at Cape Henry on the shores of Virginia. That's right. And they laid the foundation for what became the most powerful country in the world, which happens to be America. Just so you know. That would be the anniversary of today, people. Yeah, it is. But here's the other thing. I'm going to tell you something, too. And I, we got a couple of minutes left. Yesterday, hey, I want to exhort, I want to encourage you. If you uh, happen to know who Jack Hibbs is, Pastor Jack Hibbs. I love this guy. I love this man. He's one of the coolest pastors in America, in my point. In my opinion, he is America's pastor. Sorry, Greg Laurie, but I think Jack is better than you. <laughs> No offense, but yesterday Jack Hibbs gave an amazing sermon. Uh, if you have an opportunity to watch it online with um, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills website, you can, you can Google it and find it. Uh, I would encourage you to actually go watch it because Jack Hibbs, he talked not only about, you know, what it's like to be a Christian and to live as a Christian, but um, to be persecuted as a believer. And one of the things that he did, and Kay Arthur has been, been warning people about as well, is that America, we are under a short period of, I believe, God's mercy right now. Because generally a nation is destroyed within a couple hundred years. They just go the way of the dodo bird because they implode. Ultimately, ultimately poor dodo birds. Uh, but America, God's given us a couple extra decades. And I do think that Donald Trump being our current president has helped 
stay some of the further judgment of America on, uh, on of America. I I think I think we're under judgment. I just don't think we're under severe judgment. But one of the things that Jack was talking about, and I talked about it, and it was funny because I was like listening to him. I'm like, was he listening to me a couple of days ago? No, he wasn't listening to me. But if you have an eye, if you're like a son of Iskar, you kind of can discern the times out there. You can see what's going on. The persecution of Christians is getting greater and greater and greater. And it is going to happen here in America to the degree that it's happened other places. We are not immune from persecution in this country. And the enemies of God, I will say that. I'll just say it that way. The enemies of God do not like you if you're a real believer. So get that through your head <laughs> if you're going to be a real believer, right? We're going to start looking at First Peter, and there's a reason I think that book's laid on my heart because it really is a book that, that teaches us how to stand when we're being persecuted. In fact, the whole Bible is a book about persecution, and when you really think about it. But here's the thing. We have a short window of time before the persecution becomes severe. I mean, seeing the synagogue attacks, there have been church shootings, churches targeted for burning. You know, Christians are not immune and, and we're not not being persecuted. We are being persecuted. It's not being reported, but it's going to get bigger and bigger. Islam does not like us. Communism does not like us. You know, people don't like real believers. Would you say church and the state should be one in order to save the traditions of Christians? No. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't, actually. I think that the church needs to influence the culture, not the other way around. And I think what's happened the last 50 years, at least, probably longer, has been that the enemies of God masquerading as children of God have come in and they flipped the church on its head. You know, and, and I, what I'm going to say right now, some of you aren't going to like, but I will say it. It's my conviction. I believe it. Maybe I'm wrong, could be, but just saying. I think that when mu worship music began to change in the church, that the church began to change, and it became more me-focused as opposed to the-focused, which it should be. And you can see the, the steady downcline of the church. I've been a Christian for, what, um... How old am I? I'm 50. I got saved. I've been a Christian for 36 years. I'm not that old. <laughs> but in the 36 years I've been a believer, I've watched biblical illiteracy go steady down. You know, people don't read the Bible. They don't study it. By and large, they don't. People don't pray. They don't go to prayer meetings. Churches don't even hold them like they used to. Mine does, but other churches don't. So, what I'm saying is, gear up. You, you know, because I believe that, that that God is clearing, cleaning out his church. You know, there's so much that I don't cover on this show. Other people cover it. But God has been cleaning his church the last couple of years for sure. Plucking out these evildoers in the church, doing stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. Meanwhile, the underground church in all over the world is thriving, uh, you know, and one day we're going to see the underground church become a, a large awakened church. But I think that that's only going to happen if we get back to what we talked about earlier in the show, which is actually realizing who Christ is, you know, how he's going to return yesterday around the line. We're in Sunday school and, you know, we we're looking at Revelation, was it chapter six? Talking about the plagues, the different horses that are going to be coming during yeah. the end. You know, the pale horse, yes. the white horse, the red horse, the brown horse, whatever it is. You know, White, black, red, pale, that order. Yeah. Looking at that, judgment's coming to the world, people. And Christians are going to be rescued by the Messiah the second time he shows up, not the first. Right? We don't have to fear. Because greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. What can they do to our soul? They can't kill, they can kill the body. They can't kill the soul. But that means, you know, these young men who are going around shooting people and murdering people and blowing people up. These men need hope. 
this generation needs hope. And I believe that God has a remnant in all of our generations. I believe that. Because if he didn't, some of us wouldn't have heard the gospel. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and so we have, a, we have a choice. We have a choice to stand. Stand up and believe, right? Um, but it takes time. That's part of the reason I invest in children at church. Because I want the children of this generation to know there is hope and there is a reason you can trust the scripture and the word of God. It might be the only thing that you can trust because God doesn't lie. Everybody else does. But when it comes down to it, you read God's word, you see the future. It's written for you. It's right there. And it's coming to America, whether people want to believe it or not. It's already here to a degree. America's America's going to fall as a country. And people don't think it will, but it will. Maybe it won't happen in our lifetime. Maybe it will. I kind of lean toward it probably will. Because I think God's ticking time clock is so close to midnight. I think it's that close. Which is why I think God has been opening up his word to people. They've been seeing things. I also think that's the reason why Israel's under more attack. That's why I think conservatives and Christians are under attack even more. Because the time is getting close, people. The return of Jesus is this close. The rapture can happen at any minute. And the question is, what are you going to do when it does? What are you going to do when persecution comes knocking in your house? What are you going to do? I have friends, Virginia Prode, and I talked about her earlier today on the previous broadcast. And I know others who have already suffered persecution for the Lord. I, I have friends that have gone to jail here in America for Christ because of their biblical convictions. So you gotta, you got to think about it. Think about it. What price you're going to pay. Because you're going to pay it one way or another unless God takes you home first. But then your generation, your family, your children, grandchildren, they're going to be here. They're going to figure it. They're going to have to deal with it. So just think about it. All right? <clears throat> I, and I know I'm already kind of preaching to the choir. But do me a favor. Share the show with somebody. Uh, if you're not on my text message list, text Bible News to 33222. Join my text message list. And, uh, and then, as I always say at the end of every show, be bold. Be bold. You'd be surprised what happens when you're bold. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow.